0: Hello and welcome to A History of Alexander the Great, episode 24, Conclusion. Well, here we are, the end. It's been over a year since the inception of the Alexander Project, over 13 months since the very first version of this podcast, now of iTunes, was released. Just shy of eight months since the first episode of this second version was released. Over seven hours of recorded material. Over 150,000 downloads. Over 50,000 words. Over 280,000 characters. That's enough for an A5 book of around 180 pages. And, as I sit here, typing away... These numbers are continually growing. It feels like I should be making an Oscar-type speech right about now, but that can wait. We still have business to attend to. So, let's go right back to the beginning. In episode one, I said, When looking at the list of all-time great figures in world history, one name that has to come up is Alexander the Great. We all know something about him. We may know he was a king of Macedon. We may know he conquered from Greece all the way to India, but probably not much more than that. In this series, I'm going to follow Alexander from his youth in Macedonia to the edge of the known world and back, finding out what he did, and hopefully why he did it. Find out his aims, and whether he completed them. What did he really think of himself? And is he really as great as everybody thinks he is. We have now covered this story, and can now answer these questions. Firstly, what did he do? I'm not going to answer this question for two reasons. Firstly, we covered this in the podcast itself, so, if you don't know the answer to this question, just what have you been listening to? Secondly, I already gave condensed lists in recent episodes, most recently when recounting the Mutiny Opus, and I don't want to do that again. So, the next issue. Why did he do it? What were his aims, and did he complete them? There are many reasons for why Alexander conquered the known World. He could offer explanations such as a need to establish himself through successful military campaigns, You remember the trouble and uprisings that occurred when he came to the throne? Maybe he felt a perfect way to stop these minor foes. Being a nuisance was to knock out the biggest bully on the playground, Darius. Maybe he did it as he needed money. The Macedonian state was deep in debt when Alexander came to power. He needed to get money. So he did the oldest trick in the book. He killed his neighbour and took his stuff. These are important reasons for why Alexander did what he did, and handy ways of justifying his actions, but I would argue they are not the real actions, not what drove him to keep fighting, to keep marching until his men could take no more. Fame and glory, these are what Alexander desired more than anything else in the world, this was in the back of his mind as he fought Darius on the plains of Mesopotamia. As he chased Bessus through the mountains, as he crossed the Indus, as he marched across the Gedrosian deserts, he wanted to do more than any other person had ever done, or would ever do. He wanted to be remembered. He wanted people to still be talking about him, 2,300 years after he died. I am sure he would delighted he was still being discussed, still fascinating and inspiring people to those of us in the West. He is one of the greatest military minds of all time, with an ability I admire, but he is also remembered in the East in Iran. He is the two-horned one, he is the devil, he is all evil. In the villages, the people sing of the evils of Alexander. Mothers tell their children to be good, or Alexander will get them. So, his main aim, glory, was a success, as was establishing himself and getting funds for the treasury. But what about his other aims? Part of his glory chasing was to explore, not something he did very well at. Persia was a well-known land. It was quite far away, yes, but in terms of the modern day, it was more like travelling across Japan than the depths of the ocean. It was far away, exotic, and the world works differently there than it does in my own Western Europe. But by no means is it uncharted territory. The only discoveries Alexander added to the Greek world were knowledge of the Persian Gulf and bits of India. Quite impressive, but could do better. Culturally, Alexander had more success. Alexandria would become one of the great cities of the Mediterranean, a centre of culture and science. He would spread Greek culture throughout the eastern Mediterranean and into Central Asia, helped by the number of cities he founded and the soldiers he colonised. But his dream of fusing this Hellenistic culture with the Persian culture would not work out. Some areas would become more Hellenized, but his empire, as we saw last week, did not outlive him by long. Issue number three. What did he think of himself? Did Alexander actually think he was a god? It's an idea that captured his imagination... He may have liked the idea of it greatly. It was an aspect of the cultures he had conquered, and it does keep reoccurring throughout his life, the last example being that he wanted to be worshipped by the Arabians. I don't think he seriously believed it, though. After his adventures in Central Asia, you see it a lot less, and I think Alexander realised he needed to hold off using it to maintain the love of his troops. If he actually believed it, I could imagine him not hiding it. If you look at his attempts to fuse Persian and Macedonian culture, he wore Persian dress openly to encourage this, even though his troops didn't like it. If he believed he was a god, he would probably take a similar approach. Lastly, was Alexander really as great as everyone thinks he is? While I consider Alexander to be a military genius, I can also completely understand the argument that he was a lucky fool. He was nearly killed at the Granicus. At Isis, Darius was in a terrible location to deploy his army. Egypt hated the Persians and was willing to betray them. The huge army at Galgamela was mostly untrained peasantry, compared to Alexander's smaller but professional force. The Persian Empire was clearly weak if it couldn't stop Alexander crossing the Hellespont in the first place. The invasion of India was a disaster, where Alexander nearly got himself killed by famously leading his troops into battle. And he killed a large part of his army on the return march across Gedrosia. This sounds like someone very lucky. I can't really argue with these points. They are true. Alexander was very lucky, but this does not stop him being a genius. Julius Caesar, another fantastic general, was by his own admission one of the luckiest. Alexander took control of the Persian Empire in under ten years, all before he was thirty-five. No matter how lucky he was, that is quite an achievement. I think he does deserve his title of Alexander the great. Now, to move on from Alexander to podcasting matters. Something I would like to do is to recommend some podcasts that I listen to. One you've already heard me mention is The History of Rome by Mike Duncan, something which is sadly coming to an end. Mike is funny, factual and fascinating as he charts Roman history. It is a huge project that I thoroughly enjoy listening to. Next, I'm going to recommend Twelve Byzantine Emperors by Lars Brownworth. Lars opened my eyes to a new area of history, which I knew nothing about and enjoyed every moment of it. I even bought his book, Lost to the West, which was a fantastic read. Lars is brilliant at turning good history into a great story, and I would recommend it to anyone. I would also recommend another Lars Brantworth podcast, Norman Centuries, which follows the Normans as they changed from a group of Viking raiders to a French duchy, to kingdoms in Britain and Italy. I also enjoy the British History podcast, by Jamie Jeffers, which covers British history. It's given me a much better understanding of my own nation's past, and has quite an informal style, as, unlike this show, it is unscripted. I also enjoyed the Russian Rulers podcast by Mark Shouse, which covers Russian history through the lives of its rulers. The audio quality is a bit rough early on, but stick with it. It's a good listen. Those are the history shows I listen to, but I also listen to others. In Our Time by Melvin Bragg does cover some history, but also a wealth of other intellectual topics. It is a radio programme played on BBC Radio 4, which invites scholars to discuss topics and is very interesting. I highly recommend it. The other topic of podcast I listen to is comedy. The Completely Serious News Show, by Matt and Josh, is a funny discussion of the week's news. In the early shows, one is a Republican and one is a Democrat. But it becomes quite clear early on, the Republican is... Well, I'm not sure exactly, but by no means Republican. It does look at the news seriously, in a funny way, if that makes sense. I have two other shows to recommend, which, for language purposes, I must say only listen to if you're at least 15. The Ricky Gervais podcast is a good listen. Richard Gervais, Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington talk about a variety of topics and Carl does come up with some rather odd ideas and stories. One of the first to spring to mind involves a monkey driving a rocket to space after being trained by a banana dispenser. Right. Finally, I would also recommend The Complete Guide to Everything by Tim Daniels and Tom Reynolds. In this show... Two guys from Brooklyn take a topic each week and cover everything there is to know about it in an effort to replace Wikipedia. While Tim and Tom may not know everything, they have a wide variety of stories to tell, and I do find myself laughing out loud on the street listening to them, looking quite the fool. This is my favourite podcast of them all. I have advertised a and a but have not received any questions, so we shall not be doing that. But one issue did come up, and has indeed been coming up a lot. Most recently on Twitter, by a listener, Bobby. What am I doing next? I've had a lot of thoughts on what to do next, but I think I finally have a plan. A lot of topics interest me. English history is something I wish I knew more about. I love American political history, the Crusades, Carolingian and Capetian France, periods of German history, Byzantine history, archaic Greece, and of course, Rome. Indeed, listener Bobby proposed I do a series of lives of the Roman emperors. All of these have been potential subjects, but I have found something that feels right. It is something you probably know quite a bit on, but I intend to bring my level of detail with me to the new topic, and the new person, which should make it interesting. Thinking about it, it really makes sense, as the only person who could follow Alexander as a biography. Join me in June 2012 for A History of Hannibal. This will not be a strict biography, more of a history of the Second Punic War, as we follow events through the Mediterranean, as Carthage and Rome fight a war that still defines the world today. I'm not sure if I will release a new podcast or use the same feed, but if it is a new feed, I'll let you know on here. The best way to stay up to date is to get involved online. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the history of podcast. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash the history of pod. Visit the website, thehistoryofpodcast.blogspot.com And you can always send me an email, thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com Thanks to Peter John Ross for the music, and thanks to you for listening. I really mean that. This podcast has been infuriating at times, a right pain. But I'm glad I've done it. I'm overjoyed people actually listen to it. And enjoy it. I'm blown away people have written reviews on iTunes saying it's good and it's underrated. I found it very amusing to have people questioning my accent on internet forums. So, to answer that question, Barefoot Bree from the Secular Cafe Forum, I'm from Northern England. So, thank you everyone. I'll see you real soon.